When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Smetty here. Uh, my, my quick opinion on that that people probably will not like. Welcome to yet another edition of Golick and Smetty. I'm Mike Golick Sr. She is Jess Matana. And we are in it. We are finally in it. We have finished week one in college football. We're coming up on week one in the NFL. So, Jess, whenever we talk about there's two seasons, there's football season and waiting for football ah. season. We have made it through we made it. yet another offseason where right after the Super Bowl, everybody goes into a bit of the doldrums and a little bit of the, a little bit of, oh my God, what do we do now? Waiting for this moment that we are back in it and we have football till February again. Finally, it has felt like such a long offseason, Mike, and coming back into it with such an amazing college football weekend was probably the best way to kick it off. There were several games that were legitimately awesome. And a lot of times in week one, there aren't there aren't that many of those. You'll get like a, you know, a, a weird one in Dallas between like Alabama and Miami and right. Miami will get played off the field. Like I, it was just a really fun weekend. There were a lot of good games. So we're going to talk about all of them, I think. Yeah, we're going to jump into the college. We'll get to the NFL. We'll, we're going to talk with Reed Fowler. Uh, for DraftKings, he covers the PGA, and he's an NFL analyst. He writes for DK Nation. He's an analyst on the sweat as well. So we'll get into some of the fantasy and some of the prop bets and bets for DraftKings because we know that's what people like mm-hmm. to do uh, as week one approaches in the NFL. So we'll get to that. But let's start in college. And normally a lot of people would assume we would start with Notre Dame and Ohio State uh, in that game on, on Saturday. That was this last Saturday night. But I want to start earlier in that. The the week one really started on Thursday. And you were at the Pittsburgh-West Virginia uh, backyard brawl, which hadn't happened in, what, like 11 years or something like that? Yeah. So I think think the first thing I want to know, did you get in any kind of brawl? Before, during, or after that game? No, but Mike, I'm. It was really, uh, really interesting. I, I hadn't been to a backyard brawl ever because they stopped playing the series 11 years ago. I've watched a number of them on TV, but this was my first time tailgating for a bra- backyard brawl game, and I couldn't tell the fans apart. They were both schools wear the exact same colors. Like it, <laughs> the entire tailgate lot was right. just blue and yellow, and and like basically the same shades of each like I had on a yellow shirt kind of trying to blend in and then I got to the tailgate and I was like well I kind of blend in with both sides now so there was that but yeah Mike it was uh it was really fun I don't know if you've ever tailgated at 
the entity formerly known as Heinz Field, but a lot of the tailgate lots are no. like under the underpass. It's a very like very Pittsburgh spot. Like you've got your underpass tailgating with like you know big like underground parking lots, and then you've got your really nice lots like right next to the to the rivers, and there's people in boats out on the uh, Allegheny River. Like it's it, Rib Fest was going on, which I know you would be all over if you were there. Um, but for a Thursday game and a pit game and like, you know, Pitt's campus is not in the same vicinity as their football stadium. Like a lot of schools that play in pro stadiums. I hate that. I hate hate it too, but I gotta say like, it's the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. The fans were all for it. It was really exciting. Everyone that went to Pitt or liked Pitt was, you know, down around the stadium tailgating or watching the game. So it was really exciting that that was back. I hope the team's continue to schedule it into the future the only reason they don't play it is because of conference realignment basically but right. uh even for a rivalry that hasn't been played in 11 years like you could tell both teams are really into it and that's kind of hard to do because if you haven't played that rivalry and you get like a whole new crop of players and coaches that have never played that rivalry and the only people that are really into it are the fans like it might be hard to get the teams to care about it but then you saw Keaton Slovis get up during the pep rally and say F West Virginia the night before the game. And you knew it was on. Yeah. I mean, listen for these players, the last time this game was played, they were all like under 10 years right. old or right in that area. So there's not a whole lot of memories they're drawing from that. And let me ask you, cause right when I finished playing, I went into the radio and calling games right away. So I still have not become a tailgater uh, because I was usually wow. working games. So, so I haven't done that. So, so, let me ask you in this where it's called the backyard brawl mm-hmm. and you said a lot of people looked like from the same mm-hmm. school because of the colors. How is tailgating? Is there, is there animosity amongst the, the fans there because you had the colors on that look like West Virginia? Could you drink with West Virginia fans? Are they that nice or is there a reciprocating niceness there? Or do y'all just say, fuck y'all, we, we hate you and we don't want anything to do with you? <laughs> well, I can't speak for everyone, but we were at a mixed pit West Virginia tailgate and everyone did seem to be getting along. And I think partially like okay. it was a it was a Thursday, right? So like you get off work at like four o'clock and you get down to the tailgate lot. So it wasn't like an all True. day. I mean, I'm sure people were there all right, day too, right. but it wasn't like. But that's a good point. There are certain yeah. tailgates I've been to where everyone gets there at 10 a.m. on a Saturday, and the game's not till seven. And around like five o'clock, people start getting real antsy for the game, Mike. And that's when I've seen a lot of actual tailgate brawls take place. But it just seemed like everyone was really happy because it was the first game of the year, and the the weather was amazing, and everyone was happy to be down at uh, the entity formerly known as Heinz Field. I'm not going to say the new name. I don't name. even know. I'm not going to say the new name. I know you aren't. I, I didn't think you were. I, I don't imagine any self-respecting <laughs> Pitt or Pittsburgh Steeler fan wants to say the name, which I'm sure the new new people who are spending money for the name of it are really happy about. <laughs> and apparently the guy who owns the company that bought the naming rights for Heinz Field is a big Steelers fan. So, yeah, that's a it's a tough act to follow, though, the hometown yeah. condiment company. So true. I mean, I, I'll always refer to it as Heinz Field, so I'm, <laughs> I'm with you there. So I'm glad you got to experience that. And by the way, uh, what uh, um, Pittsburgh did win that game, 38-31. And then, we, you know, we got into truly week one of the top teams, and some of the top teams took care of business. Alabama shut out Utah State 55-zip at number one, number three, Georgia. You know, that was one of those games you talked about. You have those every now and then you get those games, like you mentioned, Alabama-Miami. Well, there was a couple – 
that was Georgia, Oregon playing in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game or whatever in Atlanta, 49 to three, Georgia just smoked Oregon. Oregon was never in that game. So it was one of those, okay, we like that matchup. It's two big boys facing one another. And it turned out not to be the game. But then the one everybody was circling was our alma mater. Again, for people that don't know, Jess is a 2016 graduate. I'm a 1985 graduate. So I'm old. She's not. (laughs) And so it was number two against number five. And all we heard, all we heard, Jess, all week was Notre Dame shouldn't have been a preseason number five. Mm -hmm. 17 and a half point underdogs are going to get rolled in this game. And here was Notre Dame played exactly the way they needed to. Take the air out of the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only ran 48 plays, but try and control the clock. Try and keep Ohio State off the field. They had the lead at halftime, had the lead into the third quarter, and then it was basically two drives. Two drives, one of which all you could do is stand up and applaud Ohio State when they went 95 yards in like 14 plays in like seven minutes. I mean, that's where one side of the ball has to step up, and it was Ohio State's offense and unfortunately not Notre Dame's defense. But Notre Dame ends up losing by 11, 21 and 10 in that one. And I know there are no moral victories, but I think a lot of Notre Dame fans were very fearful of a very ugly outcome in this game. Well, especially after the Georgia-Oregon game, because, you know, like you said, Oregon didn't even have a dog in that fight and they had a similar point spread before the game. Uh, so the I think I think the last I saw Ohio State and, and Notre Dame went down to 16. So Notre Dame did cover the spread. And Mike, you bring up an important point, which is moral victories, because after after the Cotton Bowl or, you know, the Orange Bowl, whatever game Notre Dame is in against Clemson or Alabama or whoever. Uh, and everyone says there, there's no moral victories. Yes, that's true. But in a regular season game against the number two team in the country, there are moral victories because the committee looks at quality losses as a metric for the playoffs. So we don't know what Notre Dame will do the rest of the season, but say they do win out most of their games or all of their games losing by 11 points in week one looks pretty good. And it's not as good as winning the game, but I, I do have to say like, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you can feel a little relieved that it wasn't an embarrassing blowout. Like a lot of people were predicting. It wasn't an 18 point, you know, margin of victory for Ohio State, 18 points or higher. Like it was, Notre Dame was up with up with them. I think, like you said, they kind of just lacked those explosive plays. They didn't have a drive like Ohio State had in the second half where they were able to really right. attack with the football. But the defense played great. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be excited about for the rest of the season. Well, listen, we know Ohio State is a great team and they'll get better because it was week one. Both these teams will look different in four to five weeks and re- maybe really different in 10 weeks. Notre Dame has, I think, a lot more room to grow and get better because Ohio State is already a really good to great team without question. They are. And Jigba, their great wide receiver, gets hurt in this game, so he didn't play much. So hopefully he's going to be okay because if you're a Notre Dame fan, you want Ohio State obviously to run the table. Yeah. And that makes it a great loss because this is, and you're right. Well, if you want to put it in the moral category, but it's in the realistic category, the reality category of the 13 person committee when they look back. So say Oregon runs the table and Notre Dame runs the table. Oregon got smoked 49 to three. That's what the committee looks back on where Notre Dame was leading a game and ended up losing by 11 to Ohio state. And Notre Dame obviously has, you know, the North Carolina is a BYU, then Clemson, mm-hmm. you know, which is another great defense, and um, USC as well. 
I'll say it right now. If Notre Dame runs the table, and I don't know if they will, but if they run the table outside of there being four undefeated power fives, Notre Dame's going to be in. Yeah. Notre Dame will be in the final four if they run the table and there aren't four undefeated. It's because of uh, as long as, again, those teams, Ohio State win, you could have, they could beat three conference champs, Ohio State in the Big Ten, USC in the Pac-12, at least for another year if USC does that, and Clemson in the ACC. So that's a strong resume, and I know I'm jumping ahead yeah. 11 weeks now, but that's what this game meant. If Notre Dame got blown out like Oregon did, you almost could, could basically write the, the, the season off. Yeah, so I think, Mike, we're both in good spirits. Was there anything that you are um, worried well, about going forward for the Notre Dame team? Well, er, early on in that one, the O-line looked a little shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then they, I thought they really kind of came together. They still will get Jared Patterson back, the left guard who missed the game. He's got a, a foot injury, so hopefully they'll get him back. But I thought they came along well. Um, they got to find, you know, a big play wide receiver. Styles had a big catch right, right off the bat in the game. Mayer was that we knew they were going to go to him a bunch. They need to get that running game going well. So, but offensively, I think they did exactly what they need to do. Now they could have tried, they could have hung on to the ball a little more and had and extended some drives, which would have helped. That's what Ohio State did. Defensively, I thought that the secondary played extremely well for this offense that was supposed to be. You know, people are tabbing at the greatest offense of all time, and it's a hell of an offense. But let's let's relax on a greatest of all time. But it's a really good offense, and I thought the secondary played well for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I had there was a bit, the issue up front for me was when we had a lot of one-on-one pass rushes and we weren't winning yes. them. We need 100%. to win them. There were you know there were a handful of times where I was like Foskey was like this close to getting Stroud yep. and couldn't get them, and you need to get a couple Just, of those in those games. You, you do, and and he was up against considered one of the best tackles in in the country this year for Ohio State, but. We got to win our one-on-one battles. Everybody's looking at that on the one touchdown pass. We ran the, the two safety blitz. Right. Uh, I don't mind the call. It was just executed poorly. They, they started the blitz way too late. I mean, they didn't even need to be blocked because they didn't reach the quarterback in time to get the quarterback out of rhythm. So that just needed to be executed better. I didn't mind the call. It leaves your other DBs out on an island a bit, and we paid the price there. Right. But but it just needs to be executed a little better. Right. It is funny because I think a lot of Notre Dame fans are, um, you know, not, not as happy with the lack of, like, aggressive offensive play calling in the second half, but then – also don't like the aggressive defensive play calling. And so it's 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 a funny catch-22. Like, you want to play it safe, but you can't always play it safe on both sides if you want to win against a team that is better than you, which Ohio State is, you know, they're the better team. But Notre Dame, you, you can beat the better team in college football. Yep. It happens all the time. And, and Notre Dame certainly hung in there with them. You, you can. I know Tommy Reese was catching a little flack, but I have no problem with that game plan against Ohio State. Listen, they're not going to play another team like Ohio State. Now, they're going to play a better defense when they play Clemson. That Clemson defense is yeah. for real. That D-line, our O-line is going to get a hell of a test. Luckily, it's later in the season as our O-line can get even even better than, than where they are right now. So they're not, they may not play a better offensive line and only one other defense or defensive line that's going to be better, and that's Clemson. So, you know, they, they, they have some growing to do. They need to take care of, like they play Marshall this week. They, they, need, to, they need to blow out the teams they need to blow out. They, they, they need to win those kind of games and, and get into their rhythm. So we'll see where that goes. So Notre Dame loses that game. You know, some of the other big games, I thought Utah 
Jess was going to go to Florida and beat Florida. Utah was mentioned by a few people as making the Final Four. Mm -hmm. Now, this was an out-of-conference loss. They can still win the Pac-12, and we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Uh, but Florida, I mean, what what a game for them. Anthony Richardson is becoming that quarterback to watch. You know, he didn't throw for a ton, but he ran for 106 yards and three touchdowns. The one play, was it the two-point conversion or the touchdown? I forgot which one. Well, I think it was a two-pointer. Uh, the way he rolled out and faked a pass. Mm -hmm. and I mean, he is, he is the like must-see TV. The fake jump, the fake jump pass. Yeah, 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 it was awesome. That was uh, that that was fun to watch. And so, Mike, uh, the the antithesis antithesis of that was Iowa scoring seven oh. points against South Dakota State. Not a touchdown, but two no. safeties and a field goal. As a defensive guy, you have to love that, right? Oh my God! Listen, absolutely. And and, and I remember I covered the Iowa. Penn State game last year for, for Learfield, and they were undefeated and highly ranked. And I went into that game saying, Iowa just doesn't have the offensive firepower. And they certainly don't again this year. You know, they're, they're a, 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 a mauling type of a team that plays really good defense. But, yeah, that's seven the hard way. I mean. <laughs> or the fun way. And two safeties. Yeah. Yeah, as a, as a former defensive player, I would absolutely love that. Unfortunately, you know, you only you, you didn't score a touchdown against South Dakota State. Yeah. Nothing against South Dakota State, but it's South Dakota State. And right. you're in the Big Ten. So you got to be able to do better than that. But they got out with the win. So uh, we'll see where it goes from there. A couple other big wins, big scores. USC put 66 on Rice. Miami put 77 or 70. Um, Bethune-Cookman. So uh, Baylor put 69 on Albany. So they're playing teams. That weren't great, and they did exactly what they were supposed mm -hmm. to do. A future uh, at the Shamrock uh, 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 series in Vegas, we played BYU. They put 50 on South Florida. So some teams came out and showed a lot mm -hmm. uh, right away. So and some, we are, we are. And some didn't, Mike. I, I'm not sure if you caught Brian Kelly's debut against Florida State, but um, wow. What a way to lose. I, are you are you one of the Notre Dame fans that's rooting against Brian Kelly this season, or are you kind of like, eh, whatever happens, happens? I, I was going to ask you the same thing. Now, All right, you go part first. Me, I'll go second. There, there's part of me because because he chose to leave that, that puts me in a position that says, oh, I hope he pays for that move. <laughs> you know, there's always a little bit. Of, I always said as a player, when you change teams, even sometimes when it's amicable, and when you go back and play that team, there's a little extra in it. So when, when, a, when a coach chooses to leave your program, especially a program that that usually doesn't happen. Usually mm -hmm. if, when you're the Notre Dame head coach, you either retire or get fired. Uh, and he chose to leave. And again, he had every right to choose to do that, but we don't see that often. So the, the Notre Dame blue and gold in me, I would say if you ask me more more percentage than not that uh, that says you know what i hope that costs him a little bit i hope he struggles so so yeah i'm not gonna lie there, there's part of me that wanted to see that and by the way they made a hell of a comeback yeah in that game to put themselves in position uh to tie it until uh the extra point was for not uh and got blocked so how about you do you feel that way yeah, I think I think we're kind of on the same page. Like I I actually don't even really mind him leaving because I do like Marcus Freeman and and I'm excited yep. about Notre Dame and having this coaching staff in place, but I am a little, you know, bitter about uh A, the way he left. Notre Dame was still, you know, could have possibly been in the college football playoff. So he he left before there was any sort right. of 
conclusion to the season with a team that was very good. And also, you know, some of the comments he made going out the door, Mike, about Notre Dame not having this and that and resources, right? LSU's cafeteria being so nice and just all these like kind of like silly petty shots. I'm like, all right, buddy, like you did. He he did win a lot of games at Notre Dame. Yes, he did. And I always defended since 2016, I should say caveat, because there were definitely like two eras of the Brian Kelly tenure at Notre Dame. But I always defended the second part of it where he was a good a very good coach but above average coach maybe not a Nick Saban level coach but he was a very good coach at Notre Dame where it's hard to win um and so yeah did I think it was funny to see them lose by one point because of a uh failed special teams play uh at you know it was a neutral site technically but it was also you know at the Superdome so it's basically a home crowd yeah I, I thought it was kind of funny Mike and I did see him do some of those Brian Kelly like things after the game where it's it seemed like he was throwing his his players under the bus a little bit yep. in his comments and I was like yeah I don't miss that so I have mixed feelings I don't really I don't wish ill I don't I don't hope that they they suck this year but like it was funny how they lost I think I don't I I hate doing that as wishing bad because of the players they lost one yeah. of the top players in the country one of their D linemen on a celebration play where he jumped up and came down and tore oh, his ACL. Yeah. No, that, that was, was terrible. Yeah, I, I don't want to see anything against players. It's more on the coach. But so yeah, because because he did he did that same stuff where he puts it more on the players, you know, and and it, it just it's a little aggravating to hear because I take everything like from a for, former player's point of view. Uh, but you know, uh, and but I'm with you. If he wanted to go, that was certainly his choice to go. But oh boy. You know, what a schedule that, that you've picked up. You are now 0-1. It was the only SEC loss this weekend. I think they were 14-13 and 13 or 14-1. and one. And his was the only loss for the SEC. And, uh, and the schedule doesn't get too much, uh, too much more forgiving. It hasn't even started SEC play yet. So we will see. And ending up with the college, because it played Thursday through Monday, uh, Clemson looked a little sluggish in the first half, up 14 to three on Georgia Tech. Put 27 more up in the second half. Wins that one, 41 to 10 to close out week one officially in college football. So we are there. Fun stuff to talk about uh, every week. Uh, but I think we've got time to turn our attention to the NFL and talk to Reed Fowler. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so Reed, as we get close to week one in the NFL, we've gone over analyzing teams and we'll give our predictions on division winners and Super Bowl and all that and all the fantasy leagues are drafting and all that fun stuff as well. But 
what I want to hone in on with you and your expertise is what what do you particularly look for and veer to with DraftKings as far as is wagers each week and what what are you looking for in games? Yeah, Mike, I think it's a really good question, right? I think week one is the best edge that you can have, especially in the NFL. By week seven or eight, I'm sure you guys know this too, right? We know who the defenses are. We know the offenses pretty well. Like we can get some surprises late, especially with players. You know, someone like, you know, Almonor on St. Brown towards the end, right, of, of the season last year, he really came on the scene. So you can get so we can get outbreaks with players, right? We can get those guys who can burst out on the scene with players, but with bets, it's a little bit harder towards the end of the season because most of the sports books are pretty mature in their lines. So when you take a look at what you want, especially for week one, you want to see where the sediment is going, both positive and negative. I'll give you one for instance, the Washington Commanders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both of those teams are going in opposite, opposite directions in terms of sediment. Everybody's on the Jaguars. Everyone thinks Doug Peterson's going to come in and is absolutely going to change that entire scene, which is true. I mean, you can easily change the, change the scene from Urban Meyer, right? Because that was the absolute bottom. So you can only go up from Urban. Sorry, Urb, but that's that's <laughs> the facts. The, the, but, but when you take a look at Washington, they definitely upgraded at quarterback, right, with Carson Wentz. Say what you want about Wentz and him as a quarterback, you know, against the, the the rest of the 31 starters. But for this specific team, he is an upgrade from Taylor Heineke. And we know this defense plays well against bad teams. They struggle against good teams, but they play well against bad teams. I'm not sold yet on Jacksonville's defense because their key players are rookies. So when you have that and you have a line like three points that has now basically been bet on the Jacksonville side throughout the summer over the last month or so, I look at that, but week to week, you want to make sure that you're following that sentiment and then get your bets in early, right? You don't want to wait until Saturday night or Sunday morning because those lines already are pretty mature where you're not necessarily going to get an edge. Okay, before we keep going, we need to ask you if you had Ohio State minus 17 this weekend. <laughs> I did not. All right. Then so we re then we respect your opinion here. Mike, you can continue. <laughs> well played, Jess. Well played. Well, unfortunately, uh, yeah, that that's uh, oh boy, what a topic that is. How how about how about like individual, you know, either player props, yeah. T D scores earlier in the season? I mean, it's tough to kind of go out on a limb earlier in the season, but are there players maybe you take a chance on? Uh yeah, absolutely. Right, because this is where you're getting the most bang for your buck. Um, it's preseason, right? It's before all this, before we see, everyone wants to see information. I think as analytical people or just people want to just, they want their players, their bets to pass the eye test first. The problem with that though, is that you're not going to get true value, closing line value, because the numbers are already going to be skewed towards, well, Jamar Chase is really good, right? He's a prime example last year. Everyone thought this guy couldn't catch a ball, but he profiled as one of the best wide receivers to come out of the to come out of college for uh, for a while. And because of that, all of his numbers went down. Right, they went south. His touchdown, his rookie of every single future bet on Jamar Chase went down. But if you had conviction on him, you'd be you played out pretty well. The same thing goes with right now, right? And these rookie wide receivers, a lot of them are pro ready. We know Ohio State. We know a lot of these teams, right? A lot of these colleges have pro style. Uh, offenses and so a guy like Chris Olave if, if you know god forbid if something happens to Michael Thomas and that receiving core who is that next guy up 
right? So that's the stuff you want to take a look at is, again, before the public gets on a player, especially the media, especially all of us talking about certain players, you want to get those guys first. So is it too late for the Dolphins then? Because they are a team that I think has been hyped up a lot because they've added Tyreek Hill. And so maybe they're overvalued and and there's not too much you can really expect after, you know, while having a, a first year head coach in Mike McDaniels. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're right, Jess. I think with Miami, what's always going to be a struggle is there's a big bad wolf. It's Bill Belichick. Um, and it's, well, it's also the Bills. We know they're the shortest odds to win it all at plus 550 on the DK Sportsbook. So we know there's two big teams, but it's also Bill Belichick, right? Is with the Dolphins, I like to take, I like to take bets as opposed to their futures to win, to make the playoffs and so on and so forth. But to where they finish in the division, I still think they're better than the Jets. Sorry, Jet, Jet fans for watching. Uh, but Joe Flacco isn't necessarily answer. I'm sorry. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'd rather look at them finishing third in the division, maybe even second, right? If, if the Patriots regress with McDaniels leaving, maybe. I think that's where they, they end up as opposed to trying to figure out week to week. Because look, Tua, how many games has he started, Jess, in his career? Not a lot. He's still pretty young. In his in his NFL career, he just needs to get some stability in that offense. So, well, speak, hold on, Mike. Speaking yeah. of uh, finishing in a place in the division, Mike and I have a side bet for the season on AFC North uh, on the Steelers if they'll finish last. Mike thinks they'll finish last in the AFC North. I said I would bet they'll finish anywhere but last. What what side of that bet are you taking? Boy, yeah. I mean, like if you take a look at that division, yeah. I mean, the Browns are probably going to finish last. Thank you. Right, that's like, all so I needed I, to hear. That, that's another lie, team, Mike. Uh, there you I'm going to with Jess. And I think that's – sorry, Mike. I, I like. I know before we were recording, I know we have a little bit of a connection here, but I got to side with <laughs> Jess on, on the show. That's okay. Listen, the, the DK Sportsbook has it the other way, so I'm going to go with that. They have – for as far as division, they have the Ravens are the favorite at plus 140, which yep. is interesting that the Bengals are at plus 170 – the win total, the Bengals actually have half a win more than the Ravens, yet the Ravens are favored to win the division. And then the Browns are at plus 380. And then your Steelers, Jess, at plus 1,000. So they are picked to finish way last, which I think they will in that division. So I, I am I am sticking with that. And you mentioned Buffalo, best odds at, at plus 550 for the Super Bowl. And you mentioned the Jets, one of the worst odds at, at uh, what is it, plus 13,000. Uh, on that one, as far as again individuals, so with a team like Miami, so much talk about Tua, uh, their quarterback, and this is his mm. year. He's got he's got to show. Okay, that's obviously for his career and for the Dolphins. But from a DraftKings point of view, how much do you are you willing to go out on a limb and bet his numbers to win? I mean, with with Tua, right? What did he do so well in Alabama? He's extremely accurate, right? He was extremely accurate across the middle, the slant rounds. Timing was everything with Tua in that offense. And look, he had a pro offense with the Crimson Tide. That's that's what that's what made him look so good. I think what you want to see with Tua is again some stability. He needs to stay healthy. And I I actually skew more towards the receivers in that in that offense and trying to pick out the ones that again everyone like everyone thinks that that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall are going to eat at each other, which is, you know, necessarily not true. I mean, I, if Brandon Ayuk wasn't in the doghouse and Shannon's doghouse last year, how well would he have done with Debo 
in that offense, right? That offense was made for playmakers. And that's why you get Tyreek Hill and you pay him the most money in the NFL is because you want playmakers. I think that's how you attack it, Mike, is that less Tua as an individual player on DraftKings and more of Jalen Waddle can still get open across the middle. Tyreek Hill is still that guy. I'm a little worried about Gusecki, but those two players, and especially Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds is that X factor in this offense. They paid him a lot of money. I know there's... 1,400 running backs in that backfield, but I think Chase Edmonds is that guy that you want. So switching along to the lines of not the DraftKings so much as the fantasy, does a Waddle and a Hill improve Tua's fantasy to where people should put him just like does – now Derek Carr usually does throw for a, a lot of yards anyway, anyway, but Devontae Adams going there. How much does it improve those quarterbacks as far as fantasy is concerned? Yeah, I think it improves it, but not by orders of magnitude. I think it does, you know, it does buoy up, right? Because he has more outs on the offensive side from a passing standpoint. But with what with fantasy, especially daily fantasy and PPR scoring, you know, less for the quarterback because they can't catch, especially if you're, you know, quarterbacks <laughs> you try to do it all. Sorry, Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, like you need the rushing quarterback. You that's that's like that that is the the quote unquote cheat code in fantasy sports and fantasy football is you need that rushing quarterback. And Tua just doesn't run. He was a pocket passer. He's a really good one, but he just doesn't run. He's not mobile. So the Trey Lances of the world, Lamar Jackson, or I would argue Mitch Trubisky. Look at Matt Canada's offense. I know this is not, you know, we don't want to spend too much time on the Steelers. No, Jeff does. Okay, so look with Matt Canada. You're probably going to see Trubisky roll out. Kenny Pickett was a mobile quarterback at Pitt. That's why I'm not so high on a guy like Najee Harris, because I do think that you're going to see the quarterbacks run more. So I'd skew more towards someone like, which is going to sound really weird. And that's why fantasy sports isn't always the the same as real or fantasy football isn't always the same as real football is because Mitch Trubisky can be a better quarterback than Tua Tongovailoa because of his rushing upside. That's what we saw in Chicago. Wow, and I got roasted for saying he was going to get picked in our draft, and then he did not. <laughs> oh, he didn't. No, yeah, did not, Mike. Yeah, did not. I, I would, I wouldn't pick him either. Sorry. What well, What do we do with the fact that Tom Brady has such high odds to win MVP when he hasn't been at training camp? And I think, I mean, I, everyone questions him going into every season, and everyone's been right. proven wrong over and over again. But I mean, he's plus eight fifty right now, just behind Josh Allen. Like that's crazy, right? Yeah, it's because books don't want to be caught with their pants down, right? Tom Brady, this is what he always does. Like, he is the guy that if, you, if you're if you going to doubt, then he's going to make you absolutely like, – and this is how many times have the Patriots – and how many times have we all heard, you know, and I've said it myself, oh, this is the year Tom Brady falls off a cliff, right? This is the year that we see the Peyton Manning noodle arm. This is the year that we see him actually hit his age. And what does he do? He comes out and he throws 40-plus touchdowns. So that's why he's there, Jess. It's, 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 I think, less with, like, and he doesn't need time. If there's one player, right, it's like LeBron James. I would argue with, you know, it, like in baseball, it's like Trout. These guys don't need the offseason or the preseason to really do much, like to, to be their best. I mean, Brady's been doing it forever. So, like, I don't think he needs the offseason. It's the guys around him, right? Chris Godwin, he's coming off injuries. Leonard Fournette, he needs to be in better shape. I'm sure he's going to get in better shape. Uh, Mike Evans needs to stay healthy. Uh, and, and look, there's no Gronk. So I think that's the bigger question marks as opposed to Brady being at uh, at training camp early. 
those are bigger question marks. The biggest question marks is the center and both guards are different from last year. And that, yep. Tom Brady, who who does not move in the pocket, pressure straight at the gut is not going to be his best friend. So we will see how, how Tampa Bay deals Mikey with that. Mikey Trenches. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to be the trenches. Got to be the big uglies. As far as, you know, we, we always pick our, our favorites who we think are going to win divisions and blah, 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 and all that fun stuff. But we also see every year there's four to five teams that didn't make the playoffs that make the playoffs. We always see that switch. Who in your mind are some of those, a couple of those teams that didn't make the playoffs that you see jumping into the playoff picture this year? Yeah, I don't know if this is a trendy pick. I've heard their, their names quite a bit. The Vikings, I'm, I'm fairly high on uh, in all aspects. I think Justin Jefferson can break a ton of records. I think Kevin O'Connell is coach of the year. He's at plus 2,000 earlier in the summer. I think it's down to not plus 1,600, so it's getting some steam. I think that's a, that's a valid bet still. I'd probably bet it down to like plus 1,400 just because of what he's able to do, right? He was, I believe, he's had top five marks in passing offense with the Rams last year, and he was fifth lowest where the Rams were at interceptions thrown last year. And we know that Kirk Cousins doesn't win the big games. Well, you have someone who's been in big games on the coaching side, right? I get the stat, right? I think he's 6-21 and 21 against winning quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, that is. But look, they were eight and nine last year. The Packers, I still think they're the strongest team in that division. But when you take a look at the Vikings and how they're set up, if that secondary might can stay healthy, they were completely bitten by the injury bug last year. And Daniel Hunter, he's still in his like mid to low twenties. You bring it over as a Darius Smith on that defensive line to get after guys like Aaron Rodgers. I really like the Vikings. And you take a look at the AFC. The AFC is so strong. You could definitely see the Chargers. Right, the, the Colts just missed out. You could definitely see them as well. So the AFC is a little bit harder to predict. You could easily see that changing to the guard on the AFC side. NFC, it's going to be a little bit easier. Yeah, the uh, Minnesota always seems to be not just not good enough to be good and not bad enough to suck. So they're right in the middle, <laughs> and they kind of live in that limbo area of. And Green Bay takes advantage of that. Uh, oh, and it helps that they play the Bears and the Lions twice every yeah, year. Yes, right? it does. Yes, it absolutely does. Well, and it helps that Zimmer is not there. I mean, his offense was two yeah. yards in a cloud of yeah, dust. Yeah, it was. And while that <laughs> might have worked, you know, in, in you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, this offense, this NFL, you guys both know, you need to pass the ball. Hey, That's uh, why Justin Jefferson is, you know, guys, he's in the backfield. There's reports that he's in the backfield now in some plays. Hey, uh, Reed, yeah. easy on the 30 and 40 years ago, okay? <laughs> I was right. going to say, I, 50, Mike can certainly 60. attest there, to there's that. There's one 70. person on this on this pod right now that, that played in those times, and it was three years. I was trying to figure out the right time That's a frame. Just, just, I was just at yeah. 50 to 60. All right, just riffing about being old all the time. Are you buying the <laughs> oh, yeah. um, Are you buying the bills? I mean, for you, so you personally, when you look at the season, how do you see it it, it, it ending up? Yeah, I think, I think you know, if you want to pick a prediction right now, who's going to be in the Super Bowl, I think you'd be silly to not pick Buffalo. But I, I think people, are, I don't know why, are they sleeping on Kansas City? Uh, like, just because they lost Tyreek Hill, I get it. You know, MVS needs to stay healthy. He's got 4-3 speed. But it's Patrick Mahomes, guys. It's like, And it's Andy Reid. This defense was strong last year, especially against the run. They're going to have to put up a lot of points. And so you take a look at his MVP odds. I think they're at plus 900 right now, which is pretty solid. We know MVPs, it's usually a repeat award and it's a quarterback award. So, you know, I wouldn't sleep on, like, I'm a Raiders fan, which is terrible for my personal health, my mental health. But, uh, like, it's, it's that division. You might see three teams in that division make the playoffs. 
I was going to say, is there any sort of prop for AFC West team in the Super Bowl? (laughs) There needs to be. Or how many AFC West teams are in the playoffs? Like over two. I'll take the over two and a half. Yeah. So how about how about as far as odds for we talked about MVP, but how about rookie of the year? Kenny Pickett is the favorite at plus eight fifty, and he's not starting. So uh, we don't we don't even know when he's. Yeah. I think he'll get on the field, but we don't know when he's getting on the field. So are you buying that one? Or are you going somewhere else offensively, and then where are you going defensively? Where it seems Aiden Hutchinson is the is the crowd favorite there. Yeah. So. I'm leaning a little bit different because you're right. If Kenny Pickett doesn't play, you can't <laughs> win. Very difficult so to win uh, for rookie of the year if you don't play. <laughs> if he like, if he does, if he wins and only starts four games, then more more power to them. Then I would start to question like, how is this award really judged? Right, right. Uh, I'm actually going to Drake London. Drake London with the, with the Falcons. He was the first wide receiver. I mean, like you take a look at everything that he, the profile and the situation. Marcus Maria looks looks pretty good in the preseason i'm not saying he's going to be this all-star quarterback but when you talk about just opportunity he's going to have a ton it's him and it's kyle pitts i'm surprised that the falcons didn't make a bigger push to get a guy like kareem hunt when he went out and said i want to get traded um they need a running back in that backfield it's not cordell patterson i'm sorry i think he's fine as a gadget player algier is fine but give me Drake London. I think he's someone that i i have him slated for around a thousand yards receiving and we know that these awards a lot of it heavily is on the stats. So give me Drake. Yeah, and he was he was great in college before he was injured. Mike and I, you know, obviously saw yep. him play for USC, yep. one of Notre Dame's rivals. Um, before we let you go, Reed, wanted to ask, do you have a sleeper Super Bowl pick for us to make us seem really yeah. smart for all of our friends? <laughs> so, I mean, the Vikings right now are at plus 3,500, guys. Like I mentioned, the NFC is where you want to go. The NFC, that's the real division that if you want to try and take a stab at some place that – you can get a team. It, it's there. Uh, and look, the Vikings right now, they're going to switch from a run-first offense to a pass-first offense. If they can stay healthy, they have the players on that defense as well to make a real change. So I would go out and get those tickets if you want to see. But Minnesota Vikings plus 3,500. Oh, really like jumping that. on the Vikings. Wow. I, I like I like this because as I look at all the other teams in the NF- NFC, none of them do it for me, especially yeah. the ones uh, with the best odds to win the division. Like I'm not going to pick the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. Something terrible will befall them in the playoffs. Yeah, no, right? that, that's very true, and, and certainly the the NFC is very top heavy as opposed to the AFC. Uh, Reed, we appreciate the time again. You know, the PGA NFL analyst, also writing for DK Nation, analyst on the Sweat uh, Monday through Friday on DraftKings YouTube. On Twitter, Twitch. Cool, though, now Sundays in select markets, I believe, what, 11 Eastern to 11.30 Eastern in Philly, in Washington, in Chicago, New York, and Baltimore. Tell us about that. Look, at That sounds like it's going to be fun. Yeah, a lot of pressure, a lot of eyeballs. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about all best bets, daily fantasy, uh, leading up to kickoff on Sundays, every Sunday. Uh, it's where you can – Hopefully refine your lineups, refine your bets. I know I mentioned don't make bets on Saturday or Sunday morning, but if you are if you are on the fence about your Kirk Cousins like you know uh, over unders, then come watch us and I'll and I'll push you over the edge. Uh, we'll, That's for pro- procrastinators we'll, like me. Will you Same. will you give us a preview of a bet we should do right now that you're going to talk about on Sunday? Yes, Cooper Cup. Well, he actually on Sunday. I'm gonna go. Well, I'm gonna go futures over the uh, the passing touchdowns, thirty one and a half for Kirk Cousins. But the game that I like the most, like I mentioned earlier, 
is Washington uh, laying the three points to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think that's, you know, it's to me, it's it's one of the easier bets on the board, especially because it's drifted down towards the commander's favor. Uh, it, it was at four earlier in the in the summertime when it first opened, and now it's already down to three. So give me Washington. All right. I, I, I like that. And I'd imagine, Reed, we're going to be seeing you in purple all year because you are so on <laughs> Minnesota right now. I know. It's unreal. I need to I need to go to the the stadium and start to blow the horn. Yeah, you do. Like they need to bring me on <laughs> as a guy who does that. So forget Randy Moss, forget those guys. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks. All right, so uh, that was fun having Reed on. Looking at, like I said, as a former player, I get to analyze who we think's going to win and lose. Reed, I love takes the fantasy side, the prop bets, the player bet side, uh, because it, it's so. I mean, like fantasy, you know, the DraftKings of the world, it's all just exploded now. And people are looking at ways, you know, to bet on that. So as we get ready for week one, and, and I think even though we get preseason games, just in week one, like college football, week one can be such a crapshoot. Oh, 100%. Are there any games that you're you're specifically looking out for this weekend that you're excited to watch? Well, I mean, along along your lines of you being a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, hmm. um, you know the, the fact that Mitch Trubisky is finally named the starter. I just love that uh, uh, that uh, Mike Tomlin wasn't naming it till he wanted to. And you're going <laughs> to Cincinnati, a team that was you know represented the AFC in the Super Bowl last year, yeah. hell of a team. This is one of those games because I think Pittsburgh's going to be the worst team in the division, and Cincinnati is going to be the best team in the division. I know DraftKings, a sports book, they actually have the Ravens as a favorite there. I think it's Cincinnati, but I do think Pittsburgh is the is the lower team in this. But it's week one, Jess, a division game right out of the gate mm-hmm. at Cincinnati. Boy, for Mitch to stand on his head early and he's playing for listen, he's playing for another team. We know that. That that because Kenny Pickett's going to eventually be the guy here. So he's playing for a new contract, probably with another team. Boy, if he could really open up a can early on on Cincinnati to pull off a division win on the road would be incredible. Mm, that is true. I'm I'm excited for this uh, Monday night game, Mike, which is Denver at Seattle. I, I'm bummed we have to wait until Monday to watch it, but Russell Wilson's first game with the Broncos is going to be back in Seattle at his old uh, his old stadium, and I think that'll be kind of fun to watch. So while while that certainly is a kind of a wow moment, I don't expect that to be a wow game, though. No. Seattle is in rebuild mode, and Denver, I mean, is in the toughest division, at least on paper right now, uh, the AFC West. So while, while there's how intriguing it will be for Russell Wilson to go in the visitor's locker room and come out in a different color than Seattle – I don't. I, I think it may end after the first, which is fine honestly. because then it'll be past my bedtime on Monday <laughs> there night. You go. So I'll just there you go. at ten thirty call it quits. Uh, I I love when the late games <laughs> end by halftime, Mike. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I I think you know as as we talked with uh, Reed about. There's always those teams that, and it happens every year where they didn't make the playoffs the next year, and then four or five make the playoffs, and four or five we did don't. And he mentioned, the one that he mentioned that I'm really keeping an eye on, because I don't think it's a very strong division, and that's the uh, the AFC South. I, I think the Colts are primed to win that division. I think Matt Ryan coming in is a monster upgrade from Carson Wentz. Friend of Golik and Smeddy. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. You have one of the best old lines. You have a hell of a running back. 
I like the defense. I, I mm-hmm. think the Colts, as we look at that, maybe one of the surprise teams at Wharton the playoffs, and they were, you know, right there, you know, losing that freaking game to Jacksonville at the end of the year last year. But I think that's a team that could make a little bit of noise. I'm with you. I, I'm excited. I'm excited for that, too. I'm excited that I, I re-up my Sunday ticket so I'm not stuck watching the Jets and the Giants here because I'm in New York right now. So um, that's another thing that makes me excited for a football season. Well, I had to because I'm going to be traveling every – I'll be on the road every Sunday doing games for Westwood One. Um, whatever the Sunday night game is, that's the game that I'm doing. So whatever the NBC game is, I'll be doing – radio for Westwood one this week it's Tampa at Dallas so I gotta have that as I'm sitting in the hotel room all day I gotta have that red because you know the hotel TVs don't have it (laughs) so I got I gotta take my iPad and have that red zone to be able to watch all the games and you get Tom Brady on your your first game back of the season Tom Brady get to see a couple of former Notre Dame a couple guys I've gotten to know and Kyle Rudolph who's now with Tampa Bay Zach Martin who's still obviously uh, with with the Dallas Cowboys. So it's always nice to run into some people, you know. So uh, looking forward to that, getting on the road and and seeing coaches and and players again. Uh, That's always exciting. So week one in the NFL, just about ready to get going. Uh, So we look forward to that. A couple other things quickly, while NFL is getting ready to get going, the U.S. Open is ready to go in the books in a few days. As we tape this, we still have a few more rounds to go. It was the quarterfinals, I think. But we saw a couple of things. We saw Serena Williams lose mm-hmm. uh, last Friday, and she just lost to a better player. You could just you could just see that one coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought she she did the post interview real well. I thought her opponent was phenomenal yeah. in the post game interview about how she talked about Serena. But it was just weird. I, I I said to Chris as I was watching that. I mean, I think it's five one in the third set, five one or five two. She's going to lose, right? And, and I, I was asking her, I'm, I'm going, I'm wondering, because she said basically this was going to be it. Now, we'll see because she played really well. But unlike most of us, like I've always said, I was the norm. The league retired me. You're basically told when you're done. I didn't expect to done, be done finished playing in 1993. Mm-hmm. But when nobody calls, you're retired. Right. So I didn't have a say in it. Serena does. Serena, it was hinting that this was going to be it. So I wonder, as that game was going on and she was going to lose, if if you're still such a pro that you're so focused on the task at hand, or if memories are already starting to seep in, like if she's sitting there waiting for a serve, thinking when she was 10 years old, you know, on the court with her dad and how it all started. You just wonder what seeps yeah. into your mind at that point. Yeah, and all her family was there and her daughter. Like, I, I can't imagine being able to block all of that out, especially with all the eyeballs on you. Like even after she won her first match, Mike, uh, ESPN replayed the tribute video that they had for her because I don't think anyone expected her to play right, again that, that yep. second that second night. So yeah, like it, it's just it's very bizarre, I think, to end a career on that uh on that note, like not knowing when it's gonna end, not knowing if it's gonna end in a win or a loss and just having to kind of roll with it uh the way that she did but like you said everything that happened after the match I think was handled handled the right way and so it was it was just very bittersweet and a guy that was running through uh the majors in in Nadal Tiafo beats him so he takes out uh, and Medvedev already lost he was the number one seed I think Nadal was two was Mm -hmm. he not so it's Kirikos who is uh is uh kind of running the show now he's kind of the favorite now I think 
um, to win after beating uh, Medvedev, I, I believe. You correct me if I'm wrong on that. Well, Mike, so I'm not like a huge tennis person. I don't know. A lot. I, I watched, you know, the the Williams sisters, of course, growing up. They were kind of the only tennis players I really paid attention to. But now that I'm big into pickleball, like I, I think I'm yep. really picking up some some skills and some lessons from these players. So I've been paying attention to the U.S. Open a lot more. Oh, I, I definitely have, without a doubt. And I mean, we have careers ending in Serena and Nadal. You know, he's probably got a few years left, but but we have just you know, just incredible careers that we're starting right now. Yes, right? exactly. In yes. Pickleball. Now, Chris and my wife and I are starting it a little older than you are. It seems like this game was for my age group more than your age group. So I'm kind of, I'm That's kind of interested. That's what people are telling me. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Why don't you go and play tennis? I don't want to play tennis. I don't want to run around that much. I don't want to have to do like the overhead serving. I like pickleball. It's like ping pong, but like, you know, a uh, real life size ping pong. I, I like it better. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna go play tennis. Don't tell me what to do. So okay, I won't. Jeez, now now I, I sound like I'm your dad, right? That's something <laughs> you'd say to your dad. Don't tell me what to do. Back off. <laughs> so you've played pickleball a couple of times. I Chris and I have not. After as the taping of we're doing this, Chris and I are, are getting ready to go do it for the first time. So next week we can have a little bit of uh, a little bit of pickle you know, banter uh, well yeah, you guys exactly. practice up when i come to south bend maybe we'll play against each other but mike don't hurt yourself because i read an article in the new york times that people are tripping and falling and hurting themselves but i mean you're a, you're a real athlete so i think you'll be fine but just be careful people have this thought process because i played professional sports that i have this incredible competitive spirit and let me just say when i retired from the nfl at 32 I have no more competitive spirit. I don't give a shit. I'm not trying to beat anybody. <laughs> I just spent from my years of eight years old to 32 being competitive in a bunch of different sports and then ended up in football. I don't need it anymore. I don't need to be a weekend warrior. More power to anybody that wants to go in Fair all those enough. leagues and do your things. <laughs> Ain't me. You know, if it's a dive to win a game or stay on my feet and we go home a loser, I'm going home a loser and I'm drinking. I don't care. Don't care. I'm I'm not risking a trip to the emergency room to win a pickleball game. It's just not happening. Fair enough, Mike. You're Are content, you? You're content losing. I'm not. That's just the difference between you and I. Well, that's it. You're right. You're right. I'm trying. I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll see. You know what? Maybe maybe there'll be a fire in my belly, Jess. Maybe mm. there'll be something that, that comes out of me that, that's not throw up from running around. <laughs> uh, and I'll get the competitive spirit. We will. We will see. We All will right. see. Well, before we before we log off for the day, Mike, you watched the Dutch Grand Prix. Yep. You saw the controversy at the end with the two safety cars. Did you have anything in mind uh, in terms of Red Bull conspiracy theories watching the AlphaTauri retire and, and Lewis Hamilton lose a shot at winning Max Verstappen's home race? So I probably don't know enough of the inner workings to to, to be able to comment on a conspiracy theory. Listen, and I love a good conspiracy theory. I like wearing the tin, tin, tin cap like anybody else does. But, you know, watching Drive to Survive the first few seasons, I don't know if it still gives me enough ammo to say, hmm, okay, I wonder if some shady shit's going on here or not. I don't know enough about the political inner workings of F1 to say, you know, what kind of what kind of weird stuff happened. So mm -hmm. did you? I mean, what, what were your thoughts? Well, 
in all honesty, I don't think there was any conspiracy behind what happened at the end of the race. If you want more information, you can check out my podcast with Spencer Hall, DNF, on the Metal Arc Media Podcast Network. We went over this extensively, but uh, it seemed like this was going to be finally a race that Lewis Hamilton was going to win. And he got some really bad luck, which happened to be a a team owned by Red Bull had had a car retire in a weird way. Like right. the, the driver went into the pit and then he came out and then he retired the car. It doesn't usually happen like that. Um, I don't really think there was anything to it. I know that some fans have taken it, you know, too far, which fans tend to do. Don't don't do that. Don't send mean messages to Formula One drivers if you're a Formula One fan. But uh, it was a very exciting finish regardless, even though, Mike, once again, Max Verstappen won the race, won his home race. He's oh, like 109 points ahead of the of Crazy. Charles Leclerc in the championship. Um, but for like 20 laps, shit was hitting the fan and it was awesome. Yeah, that way, but it was wild. And for those that don't know, it was Yuki Sonoda, right? That that's yeah. who, who retired, who retired from the race, I think on lap 46. And what it did, it, it triggered a virtual safety car and it allowed Max Verstappen to pit in a smaller time that he would lose under regular right. racing conditions. Put on fresh tires. It, right. It looked like it was going to be a battle with, with Lewis Hamilton, and it turned out to not be because <sighs> of that situation. So, again, I, I don't know enough where I can go, foul, foul, that was wrong, that was wrong. I, I, I don't know enough about it. All I know is I never get shocked when Verstappen wins because he is just absolutely yeah, right. dominating. They don't uh, need to right cheat now. for him to win races. No, no, that's exactly right. They, they, they do not. <laughs> he, it's not like I'm not like I'm going in that race saying, "Yeah, I need to help Max here." <laughs> you know, he, right? He really needs. He doesn't that, need so. anyone's help. Yeah. So where's the next race now? It's in Monza. Monza this weekend. This weekend, and Mo- it's the last race of the triple header that started two weekends ago. So. So what do we have about? Stuff. Do we have about what six, seven races left? I think there's seven left. Yeah. I, I keep getting it confused with the number of, of F1 shows I have to do because we're not doing a show after the Japan race because it starts at like 1 a.m. Eastern. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, I think there's a there's like seven left and the U.S. Grand Prix is coming up next month. So that'll be fun. Um, but the season's almost over and the championship pretty much is over, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so as well. Just like this pod is now going to be over. No. And, and next week, think about it. We will have F1 talk. We'll know who won the U.S. Open at that point. Uh, we'll have another week of, of college football in the books. We'll have the first week of the NFL in the books. lot to talk about, but the talk will be dominated by Jess and I's pickleball experiences. Absolutely. See you then. <laughs>